This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Devi War Zone, the Devi football podcast. And here is your starting lineup. Jerry Sinclair, Michigan State Spartan Dog. Shane P. Hallam, the Ohio State University. Kane Fussell, University of Minnesota. Sky Yuma, row the boat. Josh Dysinger, on Wisconsin, Wisconsin Badgers. Are you looking for a reminder of your fantasy football greatness? Are you looking for something to set your league apart from those dime a dozen jabroni leagues out there? Then head over to trophysmack.com and hook your league up with the best trophies in the game today. And not only will you get the best trophies in the game today, you can get a free championship ring up to a $59.99 value by entering in the promo code DWZRING. You pick out your trophy, which one do you like? You put it in the cart, you add the ring to the cart, you add the promo code DWZRING, makes the ring free, and your league is now a step above the league down the street. So if you're looking for the best, you want to be the best in the game, you want to have the best league in town, go over to trophysmack.com, get that trophy, get that ring, use that code DWZRING, and let's have a big season. Folks, Kyle here. I'm a physical therapist and a fantasy football junkie. I've been doing Dynasty for a year, and I joined the Dynasty Warzone Patreon about six months ago. And never have I felt more comfortable with having Memphis, Jerry, and the guys in the patron chat help me with buys, sells, and navigating free agency and rookie draft. I can't recommend them enough. And so join the Patreon, because if you ain't first, you're last. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I am your host, Jerry Sinclair. You heard that correctly. Randy has taken the shackles off. He's let me off my leash. And the man of the hour and the man with the power, the one who is known for taking the Dynasty Warzone off the rails is the one who is obligated to try and keep it on the rails. It is certainly going to be a disaster. Thank you for coming to the inaugural episode of the Devi Warzone. I am certainly going to be a bumbling, nervous idiot because Randy has always carried the show. I've said it once. I'll say it a hundred times. Luckily for me, I'm not the only guy sitting here. There's a, you guys are well aware that I do history and I'm a researcher. One of the words that comes up often is subregulus, which is a, an underking. It's someone that's, you know, they're, they're a king of a territory, but there's always an overlord that they have to pay homage to. Luckily for me, 
I bought two Devi Rexes, Latin for king, with me today. Normally, there would be three. Josh Dissinger, sorry if I botched your name, Josh, at Scotty Josh. He had some, some life issues. Um, but the guys that I brought with me, smarter, nerdier, degenerates. I have my notepad ready. I'm going to write it all down because I am just a subregulus in this. The first man that I want to introduce is a man that has a name like Samuel L. Jackson. You have to put the middle initial in his name every time you say it. That is Shane P. Hallam. Shane, talk to me, baby. What is up? Yeah, look, look, I, I, we're excited here, man. And, uh, you know, a little scary to, to, to be here, Jerry, taking the reins. But I think we'll I think I think we'll do all right. We'll, we'll make it happen. And the other guy, his co-host of the Devi Marketplace, which is the Ph.D. of Devi podcast. This one is not going to be that we're going to we're going to ease people in a little bit. And when you want to be a complete and utter degenerate, you go to the Debbie Marketplace and the other guy, the OG host and my fiercest rival, the man that you heard tell you row the boat, Kane Fossell. Is, is it Fossell or is it Fossil? Because if it's Fossil and I've been missing out this whole time, I'm going to be really <laughs> upset. No, it, it's not Fossil. I can tell you that. Certainly Fossell. Thanks for having me on, baby. I'm good to be here. Listen, we are going to have some fun. I'm sure you're going to bust my balls. It's what you do. It's what I deserve. That's true. Gentlemen, let us embark on the inaugural Devi Warzone. And listen, if I really, truly get off the rails, Randy is still behind the glass in the in the Warzone studio, uh, metaphorically speaking. So I'm going to do a little bit of business, as Randy would tell you on the Warzone. So this is what I want each show to be. I'm sort of going to break it down into different levels as we go. Devi is scary. I, I, I don't know if you are a person that has just gotten into it, but when I first got into it, I was intimidated. You follow Shane, you follow Kane, and you see all the players that they do and the, all the ones that they talk about, and you have no damn idea who they're talking about, and you feel little, you feel small. You feel unprepared. I am going to be here to tell you that it is okay. And they are like warm, cozy teddy bears that will just tuck you under their arm and they will lead you into the Devi promised land. So what we're going to do is we're going to do just super unbelievably vanilla stuff at first. Sort of what is Devi, you know, the little things, the things that got them into it and all that. And then we're going to go into a little bit of deeper stuff. And this is going to be sort of the structure every episode. I want to do for extreme beginners, you know, how to start a league, what you should look at. Da, 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 da. And then in the middle, we're going to talk, you know, sort of for those those people that really want to dive into the future for their dynasty teams. Not so much for, you know, they want to join Devi Leagues. They just want to be better at dynasty. So we're going to talk some of that. And then at the end, we're going to I'm just going to let them talk. And I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to write all the things that they tell me because they are going to talk about things that I am completely intimidated and unaware of. So that, gentlemen, is what we are going to do. So let me just hit you with the vanilla to start it off. Wh what made you guys want to do, Devi? Like, how long have you been playing it? How long have you been doing it? What do you like? What do you hate? What's your favorite pick? What's your worst pick? 
Mr. Samuel L. Jackson, Shane P. Hallam, you first, sir, because you are the one with a resume that has been as long as I am tall since I've even been in the fantasy industry. Uh, I, I appreciate it. And look, Debbie was scary to me when I started. I, I, I've been playing about 10 years um, in Debbie Lee's. I was invited by uh, the one, the only Scott Fish um, to my first Debbie League to, to take over a team and one that he ran since 2007. Um, and so, you know, him and I just kind of talked back and forth about college prospects, about the draft. And he's like, hey, you know, I have this opening. It, it's Debbie. Here's kind of what we do. And I said, all right, I'll try it out. Right. Then I get in and uh, he's like, oh, yeah, to uh, you, we really only draft freshmen and sophomores in college. I'm like, I don't I don't know any of those guys uh, <laughs> at that point. Right. So, you know, th- then sometimes just jumping in the deep end, man, is, is, is a great way to do it because that's what I did. I was like, I got to start watching like high school kids. I've never done that before. Uh, and so, you know, you, you just go find a list online, you start watching and, and develop things. I was really bad at first and um, you know, and, and, and got really good. And then in that league, I drafted Christian McCaffrey in high school, Ezekiel Elliott in high school, uh, Saquon Barkley in high school, you know, so, uh, you know, eventually I think you, you can build yourself up. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't even think about it, but this, this season will be my 10th year playing Debbie leagues. And now, you know, um, along with Kane, we're both in, in leagues that are, are the college to Canton and the 50 Debbies and, and 50 NFL guys. And it's, um, you know, it's a ton of fun. So, uh, that's kind of why I jumped in. I jumped in the deep end, not knowing what I was doing and, uh, eventually got there and, and started to get organized and started to get this going. So I have heard quite a bit about uh, College to Canton or whatever it's called. So it, 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 can you break that down for me a little bit? I'm a, I'm, I'm a rookie. Talk to me like I'm a seven-year-old. That's how Randy has to do it. That's how that's what I need. Yeah, and, and, and Kane, feel free to jump in because I'm a rookie too. Like this is my first year doing it. Um, basically, it, it's you draft a, a college side and you play college fantasy football, right? probably about 25% ish of the pot of your whole league. And so you're drafting guys in college. You want to win the college side. And when those guys move on to the NFL, you move them up and you have an NFL fantasy dynasty league, like we all know. And those players just go immediately on your roster, right? It's just a pipeline straight on um, to, to that roster. So it's, it's kind of a simple concept, but now you're playing college fantasy at the same time as NFL and you're balancing uh, drafting guys in this college team that are really good at college fantasy football because there's some guys that'll put up uh, 5,000 yards in the MAC and never sniff the NFL, right? Uh, versus drafting someone like Trevor Lawrence, um, who is going to be a top NFL prospect, but probably is, uh, you know, top 10, top 15 only in college fantasy football. So you have to kind of balance those things. And, and that's been a fun challenge for me. And Kane, you've done more, much more of this than I have. Um, if you want to jump in there. So first of all, I'm going to, I'm going to take a minute to disregard the personal attack you just made against Nathan Rourke. Yep. For that, for that Matt comment, um, Nathan Rourke is a stud. He's going to the CFL. Don't worry. He's coming. He coming. (laughs) I actually got the chance to talk with him. He's a really great guy, but um, yeah. So campus to Canton is a really, really fun league just because it gives you kind of more of an in-depth look. At, at building a team. And it's the same thing that we look at when we're looking at dynasty rosters, right? Is there's, there's some people that might not have long-term, uh, a long-term outlook on your team, but there's some guys that might just have a one or two year 
uh, short-term window, and they're also going to help you win in college. Um, so it's it's really a combination of getting those guys that are going to help you in college that you can get later in drafts and identify later just because of like play scheme um, in the schools that they're going to and in the coaching staffs and things like that, that you know are going to build up certain positions on the football field. And then also getting these Devi guys that you know are going to transfer to the NFL. Uh, so it's a really nice combination of both of them uh, because you want to make sure that you win in both leagues, not just one to maximize the profit. And then what, what, what got you into Devi? Cause all of a sudden I was living just a wonderful life. And then Kane Fussell came in like a wrecking ball into my life. And now he's everywhere. You're, you're a dude that has just exploded. And listen, you do good stuff. I say good things about Randy every once in a while. I'm going to say good things about you. Smart as hell. And I do, not to stroke your ego a little bit, I do come to you when it comes to this. You were nice enough. We just Don't did stroke the... it too hard or too fast, bud. <laughs> oh, yep. Off the rails. See? Uh, you know, you were nice enough to jump into the, the Warzone Patreon Devi League. Uh, not nice enough to help me. It's fine. It's fine. I'll let that slide this time. But my team was going to be shit anyway. So what what got you into into Devi? Um, so so the first thing was I had just a love of of the NFL draft, and I think just like Shane, right when you when you love the NFL draft, you get sucked into the college side even deeper uh, because you want to know, you know, the guy from from Rice that might have a chance of making it in this in the back end of the seventh round with a conditional pick, right? Like you want to know who that guy is because there's a chance he could be going to your favorite team and you want to be the first one to put in your chat with your friends that, yeah, I already have been looking at this guy for two years. Like you want to be that guy and just be smug and arrogant uh, to your friends back home. And I want to be that guy. I always want to be that guy. Um <laughs> So, so that that kind of made me really want to dive into college football. Also, uh, college football to me is just better than watching the NFL. Um, I love everything about college football. I think it's just so much more exciting, and that really makes you dive in deeper, right? Because you're looking at hundreds of teams rather than just 32, and trying to find out who has some viability to get to the NFL roster. Um, so, we started, you know, a route like. Like most other people would, my brother and I randomly made a website um, where we put up mock drafts back in the day, a few years ago. And yeah, back in the day, a few years ago, that's going to make Memphis feel old when he hears this. Um, but, you know, back in that year 24 lifestyle of my of my life, um, you know, and we did that. And, um, you know, Shane, um, one of our good friends, obviously, you know, Shane. From Philly, my boy, yeah. my dad, um, saw it and he goes, yeah, you should be doing some fantasy football stuff. Because obviously I love fantasy football. And then it's just expanded from there. And I've just been doing Debbie stuff since then because I was always focusing on college football. I just didn't know that there was a place, a niche basically between, you know, fantasy football and college and really marrying those two together. So I, I got into Debbie football and that's just kind of where I've stayed and I don't have really time for anything else. <laughs> Well, it's because you're a degenerate and <laughs> and you're good at it. So I'll give you the credit for it. But that's I, I think that's the story for everybody to Debbie is you. You always want to be either better at what you're doing or you want more. And, you know, I, I'm a college football guy, too. My team is God effing awful right now, but I would still much prefer to watch Michigan State lose to down by 20 Minnesota points. on week one. 
No. Oh, wait, we don't get a season. I'd rather watch us blow a 28-3 lead to Illinois than watch any <laughs> other sport. Um, so I think that's sort of what got me into it. And then, you, you know, in the same way that you sort of got into fantasy writing, me too. Shane Manila is like that you called him your dad. He's like the dad of a lot of us where he just he put us under his wing and he brought us on and he did the same thing for me for the Dynasty Football Factory. And I wanted to play leagues with him. And, you know, at the time, the Debbie Watch guys had not split to the Debbie Watch and they were still part of DFF. So they were starting a league. And I was like, you know what? Let's jump in the deep end. I'm going to get in there. And because I wanted to play league with those guys. Randy always, you know, he, he always says that he wants to play with the best guys to prove that he can actually play. That was sort of my rationale. And oh my God, did I make a horrible mistake? We got, I don't know. It was like the pick 203 or something. And all, all the Devi guys knew everybody that was out there. And I didn't know a damn person that I was picking. And this was a 10 round Devi. And I was so in over my head, but it ended up working out. Okay. I, I drafted Jerry Judy. Uh, I have had him. He was my first Debbie pick and he, you know, he turned out to be a pretty good asset to have. He didn't fall on his face, but for every Jerry Judy I have, I have an Anthony Johnson from Buffalo and I have some equanimity, St. Browns. It's, it's a, it's a scary game. Cause if there's one thing that can humble you when you, you know, you pick that guy from rice and maybe he had, you know, you have him and you have good hope. Cause he's got great production or he's got some skill set that you like to see. And then he just doesn't amount to anything. You know, it really, it's like a brick to the face and that's what this game does, but it rewards those that try the hardest. And I think that's why more people should play it. It, it is tough and it is time consuming. So gentlemen, I'm going to start with Kane. If you're trying to get someone into Debbie and if you want to reel them in someone that, you know, maybe they play, dynasty and they just want to get better maybe they just love college football like us like it, it, pitch it pitch it for me well it just gives you extra assets to trade uh, so if you're a guy that likes trading Debbie's perfect you can choose to keep your Debbie players you can keep choose to keep you know your Debbie picks year over year or you could trade them because there's going to be some people that value them even more than you do and so that's that's the really nice part about Debbie is it just gives you more to do, right? You're not just in that that dynasty box, which we love. That's a great box to be in. But now it's like you're living in that box, but you're also like peeking your arm over and you're like just trying to see what's out there and just trying to grab and bring that into your box. And that's really what Debbie is, right? Is you're is you're taking sometimes educated yet blind stabs on some players that that might not pan out and and that happens right there's going to be that guy that drafts tyler johnson way too high in some devy leagues uh <laughs> th that was me uh, so right there's and we're gonna miss but at the same time we're gonna be able to trade for some of these assets that we feel like are on the rise just because that gives us an, an additional piece to buy and sell and to make our team better so that's really why i like playing devies because um i have a trading problem and and that just really gives me an opportunity to trade as much as I can. And I also have that addiction of which mm -hmm. I need anonymous for Shane. Sell Randy because Randy's a bit of a pessimist on Debbie, which is why I'm the one doing this, which is why I am the one that has been thrown to the wolves and is a nervous bumbling buffoon before you because he is the professional. And yet every time we try and get him in, he doesn't want anything to do with it. Mr. Shane P. Hallam, sell him. 
It's going to make you better. Uh, I mean, it's going to make you better at fantasy football. It's going to make you better in your dynasty leagues. You know, when you are watching these players earlier, you're going to have more knowledge of what they can do, what their weaknesses are, what their strengths are, what that fit is, you know, and you're going to have that knowledge. It's not reading uh, secondhand sites and trying to figure that out. I think that's uh, a really key to me is um, you can get better by playing Debbie, even as Kane said, of trading away your, your Debbie picks, you're still going to want to look into these guys because your other league mates are drafting them. So I, I think that's that's another aspect of it. And the the second point is I think it's the next big thing, right? Superflex was kind of this thing that, that was lurking for years and has just exploded. Uh, and I know Randy's a big proponent of of that. And so that's that's something that was kind of brewing and made fantasy football better. Debbie makes fantasy football better. I, I think there's little doubt that it, it, just, it does add another layer of trading. It, it makes it more fun. And to me, that is, um, that's kind of a key that it's going to be exploding on the scene. And that's going to be uh, what, what's going to be out there for the most part. And then the third thing is there's so many, and I will we'll kind of get into this, but there's, there's so many ways to do it. I leak with one round of Debbie every year, one round. That's it. You get one player. That's it. Unless you want to trade for more picks or more players. And that's fine. That's enough. Then you still have your rookie drafts are still good. Everything's still good. Still mostly dynasty. You get one, just a little bit of Debbie. I'm in a league where we have a hundred rounds of Debbie. You know, you can, you can go from one or two hundred. So it, you can start out very small. Uh, it's something that's easily added to dynasty leagues. You can say, Hey, in, in 2022, let's, let's add just one round of Debbie. And if people are for it, uh, it's something you can do a couple years down the line. That's, that's, going to change things a little bit, but still keep the integrity of your league. I like that too. It's very adaptable to what you want to do. I was going to move on to the next section, but a hundred rounds of Debbie is going to stop me in my tracks every single time. How in the Sam hell does that even happen? How does that work? Explain what sort of freaks are in this league with you. Uh, well, Kane is too. So he, of course he is. Of course he is. No, <laughs> um, so it, it's something I started this year um, to uh, called the Pinnacle of Devi. You can follow that on Twitter. Um, then and we're actually not starting scoring until 2022, and we're drafting 100 rounds of Devi. We're drafting offense and defensive players, and it, we're going to throw it into a best ball in two years. Whoever's in the NFL and who wins wins, and we'll keep drafting. We'll draft a, a couple of veterans, um, but you're, it's going to be very sparse. Um, I think uh, you're only going to be able to carry over uh, 12 or so veterans uh, from the actual NFL. So you have to draft kind of all Debbie. You know, I, I've, my goal is to make the deepest Debbie league possible. Right? Go to the extreme. Uh, and so, again, guys like Kane and, and Travis May and Chris Stoops and um, Adam Lewis and Rob Willett, a lot of guys that are um, really good at what they do and have different strengths. We've got some IDP players in there and, and Joe Redman, Jason Dorenzo. So, um, you know, Bruce Batson. There's a, there's a lot of good players um, and it's, I just want to make something for just, just Debbie guys. So we can take those stabs, sometimes not even educated guesses. It's just pure guesses, but, uh, it's going to be fun to watch these players. I drafted a, uh, a guy that just graduated eighth grade. Uh, so, you know, that, that's, that's the Debbie league that we're playing in <laughs> and that's what we're doing here. Uh, Kane, talk to me about this draft. How did it go? Was, was there ever a point when you were just like, screw it, I'm just going to take this guy. So, so we can't even use the past tense yet. We're still in round 76. 
Okay. So, right. like, we're still, so hold we're on, still hold on, hold on, away, baby. So Shane drafted someone that is just going into high school, and there's still almost 30 rounds still to go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we still got about uh, 23 hey, hey. rounds to go. So, we're still ticking. Hey, Randy, what is, uh, does Vinny have a good 40 time? Because uh, he might be picked uh, by round 90 or so. Uh, Vinny has a very good 40 time. He was uh, clocked recently at a pretty good time running the bases for. Uh, travel ball tryouts. All right. So, so, Rand, so his son is going to be picked in this league at some point, at least if it gets expanded to a 200 round league in the future that look for him. So what I, what I've really been doing, right. And so this is obviously is a danger with, with a league this deep is you just kind of start like driving around baseball fields and football fields. And if one dad yells, my kid's got an arm, you're like, well, he's on my Debbie squad now. <laughs> Draft him. You don't yeah. even know his name, but it's like, Oh, he played Marshall baseball in 2020. He was number nine in center field. Like, because, you know, I can't get that close. No, because you're already got the restraining order in the uh, <laughs> near the near the middle schools. <laughs> All right, guys, that is absurd. Uh, one of the most insane things I've ever heard in my life. But unfortunately, we got to be a little bit of a Debbie Downer. A lot of college football is getting canceled. The Big Ten is getting canceled. We're all Big Ten guys. Minnesota, Ohio State, fucking Michigan State. We we are all out of football. Now, the SEC's, SEC is still fighting it. Uh, the Big 12 is fighting it. I think Oklahoma just had a bunch of cases. I'm not, I can't confirm that. But, it, you know, they're they're trying. What, what does this guy do? What does this do to you guys? Because you guys have lots of Debbie leagues. You probably own a ungodly variety of people not just in the hundred person league like what are you guys doing in terms of you like how worried are you about it is are you worried about the value decreasing is it going to be good for some guys like it came like what what is this COVID situation and the potential to not play in 2020 like it does it make you more inclined to accumulate some guys or to get rid of some guys what what are your thoughts man um, so my thoughts change every like 20 minutes on this. Um, so like, don't, don't hold me to this right now. Cause it will probably change tomorrow, but right now how I'm looking at this, right. Is we knew before the big 10 um, canceled their season in the fall that there were Bateman and Rondell Moore were going to sit out. And we knew, we knew that it was probably going to hurt Rondell Moore just a little bit, a little bit more than it was going to hurt Rashad Bateman, just given that Bateman had a full season to tape in 2019. Right. But now that no one's playing in the Big Ten, those those opt outs. First, let's start there. The opt outs that happened before, like these, the the Pac twelve and the Big Ten were canceled. Those don't mean anything. Yeah. Um. So if you heard that someone was opting out, like that doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of Debbie. Like that's not a big deal. But then we get we get into so who does this help and who does this hurt? And this this is a conversation conversation that Shane and I have have had over the past couple of weeks just because it's it's constantly a fluid model and so I think the people that it hurts the most are, are the people at the smaller schools um you know if you get if you get guys at a group of five schools that that aren't playing um like in big sky you know like those those conferences that's going to really hurt them um, because there's no way for for them to get their tape out to anyone and for a guy that's entering the draft, you're not going to want to send out 2019 tape 
especially when you thought you had a big improvement in the offseason. So if, if you're Tamari and Terry and the ACC all of a sudden cancels their their season and you just went from 205 pounds to 222 pounds and you said you got faster, well, then you're not going to want to send, you know, 2019 tape and just have people imagine, you know, the the size difference and what that's going to add add to your stature on the football field. So I think I think it hurts some of those guys, especially people that, that have had really good off seasons and have progressed a lot expecting this college football season. Um, but for people that, that it helps, um, you know, it's going to help predominantly people in, in power five conferences, which, you know, sucks because <laughs> we always like to find the diamonds in the rough on the, in the group of five conferences. And especially like my boy, Trey Lance, shout out to that Marshall, Minnesota kid. Whoop, whoop. Trey Lance got to talk about it. Um, but you know, when we, when we look at power five conferences, their tape is easily accessible and it's against qu- top quality defenses that, that matters, right? So if, if you're looking at, if you want to look at a tape difference between Jalen Waddle against, uh, LSU or Trey Lance against Montana state, well, you know, that there's going to be a, a clear leg up, right? for Jalen Waddle, because if he shreds LSU, well, then he's going to get a whole lot more draft stock. But if Trey Lance shreds Montana State, you're just going to hear, well, he was supposed to. So I think I think that's where this difference is, and it's going to be constantly just an evolving idea of, of really who this helps and who this hurts. And I think it's really going to it's really going to matter what what these scouts are seeing in the NFL, because they're going to be missing a whole season's worth of tape. And some people leave, believe that it's going to, that they're still going to be able to get the same amount of information. And that's why it's going to help these, their front offices, especially in, in, I know Shane and I have talked about this, especially in teams that have um, an old coaching staff, right? A coaching staff that has been around a while. Um, so they're going to easily be able to roll with the punches here because they have the connections to college coaches and, and they're going to be able to, you know, ex- get access to any information that they need. Um, but that's just an overview. Shane probably has a few more thoughts to add to that. I think you did a good job of it. I think when we talk about players, I think Kane is spot on of seeing that those players that have kind of been hyped up. Um, that That's all we've got. So, you know, hey, Jamar Chase is going top five. He could have had a 400-yard season, and then we would have started questioning those things, right? And that probably wasn't going to happen, but there are definitely players like that. I, I think for fantasy purposes, it really solidifies the top end, um, kind of what Kane was saying, those power five guys. So if you see a receiver go in the first round or you see a running back go top 50 of the NFL draft, that they're they're probably solidified, right? You're going to see the 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 ETNs and, and the Hubbards go pretty high or probably pretty solidified. I think what it does is that kind of third to seventh round becomes a really big mix. Um, you know, talking Big Ten, one guy that Kane and I both like is Journey Brown from Penn State, and he's a player who had a good year, really came on late. You know, came on that 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 uh, Minnesota game, and he really needed another year to cement himself, right? To 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 blow up and have fifteen hundred yards rushing and become Miles Sanders and get drafted really high. And he, he's going to run really well. And that's great. Now it's like, well, what do you do if you're the NFL? He didn't have a thousand, he's never had a thousand yard season. Um, and even if he has a really good workout, where does he go? Could go back end of round two. He could go round six. You know, I, that's, that's where I think it's going to get mixed in of those players that, that are coming up. Uh, and then 
Uh, to me, I think the other thing is when, which I'm sure a lot of Dynasty and Devi guys use, is like, how do we look at the analytics of things um, when we don't have a year of football, right? If we don't have a year, some players have a year and some don't. How do we know who who is supposed to break out or who is going to, um, you know, who are these freshmen or sophomores that we're going to see break out at young age? They're not going to get to play uh, for another year. They're going to be older. Um, and so I, I think in the NFL, a lot of the kind of old school, quote unquote, tape guys are going to like this and that they get to go watch things from two, three years ago and what, what they kind of say goes. And is that going to translate well in the NFL draft? Maybe not. So um, I think uh, from, from a Debbie perspective, there's a lot of players I have shares of. I'm really scared about them. Like I, I really thought they were going to break out this year and now uh, that's just not going to happen. Um, and I think, so I, I really trended a lot younger. Uh, I'm, re- I'm drafting freshmen and sophomores because I want guys that are going to have two or three years to play. And, and instead of a guy that's going to, if he goes back for another season, he's going to be 24 by the time he gets to the NFL. It's, that's tough. I, did, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole too much on specifics, but it, like you think of a guy like Tylen Wallace when something like this happens, like he, he blew up, then he tears his ACL, he misses the year, and now he's sitting out again. And, and there's there's going to be so many instances of guys like that that it's it's just going to be a cluster the whole time. But it, what, what do you guys think the combine is going to do? Because everybody overreacts to the underwear Olympics, you know, pre- pretty universally. Listen, I love a, a good football player with thighs the size of, you know, AJ Dillon. Of AJ Dillon. God. I hate that picture. If I see that damn picture one more time, and then of course I got to talk to Kane at the day it comes out, but you know, and then there's, you know, cause let, let, let's assume this happened last year. We would have someone like Donovan peoples Jones who just exploded the combine and showed all these great things, but he doesn't have that great of a tape, but you know, pe- people saw the tape and he went in the sixth or seventh round, wherever the hell he went, screw that guy. But, but if that happens this year when someone's not playing, plus they have that, like, is there a chance that things like that are going to really, really mess us up? And, 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 and honestly, this is why I like you guys, because, you know, you guys have 100 round Debbie team. So you've looked into a bunch of guys, which is why I come to you. I, I think Debbie is going to be more critical because of, you know, people potentially not playing that you're going to need to see the trends that you guys have seen and everything else and different profiles and yada, 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 just on and on and on. So I, I think diving into it, but what, what is the combine going to do? Is it going to do you, are you as pessimistic as I am about it? Um, like Shane, is it something that you usually care about or am I just reaching for straws here? I, I think it's going to be important. Um, and like you said, if, if this had happened last year, where does Donovan people's he probably goes higher. Uh, I'm not saying he's a first or second round pick, but he probably goes higher. Uh, I think someone's going to take that chance. Where, where does someone like Clyde Edwards? He doesn't get drafted. Clyde Edwards no. not drafted. He's going first round of redrafts right now, right? So um, it, th- that's going to happen. There's going to be undrafted free agents. And so that's why I think the combine, I'm interested to see what the NFL does because I think they could expand it. I think they could increase. I, I, I think, think they have to. 100 some receivers, 100 some. I mean, I think they can really have a, a massive amount of guys uh, come to the combine and just say, hey, just just do it. Uh, depending, you know, depending on the world situation, too. Who knows, you know, if pro days are going to what's going to happen. Um, maybe, maybe they, you know, you bubble these guys and, and you make this happen. So I think I think that's going to be intriguing. Um, I think the other piece of the combine, what we look at the 40 times we look at the, the shuttles is going to be the drills. 
Uh, I think that's going to be more important than ever. When, when you watch a guy go through the gauntlet and catch those passes and you see the next guy do the same thing, I think NFL teams are really going to take notice. Here's a guy that had 200 yards last year, uh, looks spectacular, spectacular workout. You know, if we had a season, he, he was supposed to be the number one. He, he probably would have had 800, 900,000 yards. Let's, let's, let's grab him in the fifth, sixth round. And so now that's where I think um, the Debbie projection aspect really is fun. And, and I, th- I think, I think we're going to see a lot of, you know, dynasty rookie draft type of guys really looking to the, to the, the tape community, the Debbie community to um, see some of these younger players um, that, you know, Kane and I watched in high school and I've seen come up that, that are going to get drafted that people aren't going to know until the combine. So uh, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what's going to happen, but it's going to be important as a holistic view. And it's going to be a bigger piece of the pie. If some of these players don't play. It's the draft next year is going to be such a shit show. And I am so excited for it. Kane, what about you? What, what's your thoughts on, on this whole situation in the combine? Is, is it really going to be a big deal? Am I just overblowing it? So I think I think it is going to be be a big deal, but for different reasons than you might think. So I'm I'm going to take the pessimistic approach to this one. Shane gave you the optimistic approach, but I'm going to I'm going to be on the other side here. And so the reason why I think it's negative is because I think people are going to double count these combine stats. Right. Because we didn't have this production in the 2020 season from these guys. So they're going to right And rightfully so right you're going to try and extrapolate what they could have done in the 2020 season and that that completely makes sense right but not only are you trying to take someone's athleticism and try and prove what they could have done in a college football season but you're also trying to look forward and see what that athleticism could do in an NFL season so i think it's going to get double counted the exact same way i'm going to use i'm going to use a dynasty analogy for you here jerry it's the same it's the same type of way that that people double counted um, Damian Williams not playing, right? So if if you were worried about Damian Williams playing before, well, then you shouldn't have been as high on CEH. But if you're already drafting him with the 101 or the 102, and then Damian Williams opts out, well, then you're just double counting it because you already said that he wasn't a worry, and then you're just trying to get additional profit based, based off of a guy not playing that you didn't think was a worry in the first place. So I think I think that's the one of the issues that we might run into is just this double counting method that that is going to put more stock into something than than there might need to be. And sorry to go pessimistic to your optimism, Shane, but I think I think that's a really real thing that's going to happen um, with with what this combine is going to do. Uh, I th- I think the CEH Damian Williams thing was a a hell of a talking point because it did that though. Like it, it, nobody really thought Damian Williams and was going to that, be the running that's back. Courtesy, that's courtesy of Peter Howard. He's the first one that pointed that out. And I was like, that makes a whole lot of sense. I didn't expect Damian Williams to do anything. So why, when he opted out, why does that give Clyde Edwards Lair even more of a boost? Like it shouldn't. Now, if, can I, if I, if can, I could go ahead. No, sorry. I, can I ask you, Kane, with, with that uh, now, do you think NFL teams will also do that? Or do you think it's mostly going to be the fantasy community that does it? Cause I definitely see the fantasy community doing it. I, I'm not sure if NFL teams will, may, they might, some of them might. Um, and so I, I do think it's going to impact uh, basically like draft position uh, more because some NFL teams make double count as, as you kind of talked about. So I, I don't think it's going to be as big of a deal with, with call it or with NFL teams. Um, it's, 
I was just speaking just more in the fantasy sense. I think that's really going to be the worry. When we look at NFL teams, they're going to be able to really talk to these NFL coaches and get really up-to-date results on, on people working out. And, you know, they're going to know if my boy Rashad Bateman is working out every day before we do. Right. They're going to they're going to know if Rashad Bateman's constantly taking 30 minutes a day at the jugs machine. Like they're going to know all of this stuff before this combine even hits. Um, so the, I think the other big thing that we're going to know at the combine watching these drills is who has a better work ethic and who doesn't. Um, and I and I know that's that's a big thing for my boy, Randy. Right. Like who who has the work ethic and who doesn't? Um, because you're going to see guys that come into these drills just expecting that their that their natural ability is going to be able to to give them just great results, but natural ability only gets you so far, and and not taking full advantage of of the workout facilities for a full year is really going to hurt people at the combine. Um, so who knows how that's all going to shake up? But I think you're going to really know who has a good work ethic and natural ability, and who doesn't. There is a Corey Davis conversation to be had here. But before we go down that, gentlemen, I appreciate that. I, I just wanted to, it, it's one of those theory strategy things that I just, I, I was not sure about. Um, and I think you guys hit it all. Uh, but let's let's do some fun shit now. All right. If the Randy, get your pad and paper, get ready for some writer downers. Because I, I want to talk about the 2021 rookie draft. And we're going to talk about some some of the younger guys a little bit later. But it for our first Devi show, and I want to get guys really firing into some stuff, you know, some of our listeners to get into it, and I want them to get excited about it. And for whatever reason, we are not a people that likes waiting for things. Uh, we are all Americans. There are also some Australians that are listening, and they are degenerates just like we are. But I want to talk about 2021 because it's – you know, it, it, it's all these things that we're talking about right now. They are the most affected by this situation. And they are going to be the ones that we are, you know, neck deep in all of this drama about. But the wide receivers have gotten the most love, at least from what my uneducated ears have heard about this 2021 class. Is it justified? How does this class as a whole sort of compare to some of the other ones recently last year, the year before like it, Kane, is this, is this it, is it a wide receiver heavy class? Is it, how does it compare fire away my friend? So I think if we just compared to last year, right, just for the best frame of reference, I think that second tier of wide receivers, right? So if we're looking at our Michael Pittman's our um, T Higgins, guys like that, that tier is so much deeper in this draft that second tier is filled with guys that could have come out last year and been in that tier and said they're in this tier and just not playing a season. Um, so I think, I think it is deeper when, when we look at the wide receiver position and a little more thin at the top when, when we look at the running back position, but well, I know you just said wide receivers, but I got a little ahead of myself and I can't help it. Yeah, we'll get that. Uh, um, but if we're just looking at these wide receivers, I think there's really some guys that, that stand out and it's, it's not just based right on on some of the stuff that they can do on the field but just really with the way the nfl is trending right more towards these speed guys and and guys that can really burn down the field and there are a few in this draft that i think have fire in their boots there's just some guys that that can just fly 
And I, I think I, I need some examples. Yeah, I, so, I, I got my pen and I'm writing. So I, I need you. I need names. Yeah. So if we want guys that are just going to fly, it's guys like Rondell Moore. He's going to run low four threes. Um, that's not going to be an issue for him. Dude's like weighing in at just like a little over 200 pounds, but he's squatting over 600. Um, so his contact balance is, I just see Randy give him the, mm-hmm, that's yeah. pretty good. Like, yeah. So he's, he's just got this contact balance. That's just incredible. And then you have guys that are just going to fly like Jalen Waddle. Dude is incredibly fast. And I think there's a good chance that um, he might be faster than Rondell Moore. I think that's a real possibility, right? Just, we know that he's going to absolutely fly. We have Devonta Smith. Who's, who's going to clock right four fours. Um, also from Alabama, those two are the Alabama wide receivers. Um, and so if we're looking at Tamarian Terry, and if he's saying that he's added the weight and he's faster than he was before, I think Tamarian Terry's really got a shot of looking at a 4-4, 40-yard dash. So, and with his with his size, there's there's a great possibility there. So just looking at what this draft has, it has a couple really, really good X receivers. You know, our our prototypical X receiver that that's that's gonna just eat with 130 targets on on a team, right? We have our Jamar Chases, we have our our uh, Rashad Batemans that are just that that prototypical X receiver. But then you have these other guys that it's really going to come down to scheme and how versatile the offensive coordinator is going to be to really use them all over the field. Um, and we have so many of those guys in this in this second tier, and I think that's what's really going to make this draft exciting because you're going to see random clips of Jalen Waddle touching the ball and just being extremely electric against Auburn. And you're going to see Rondell Moore, his whole freshman year, just tearing up the entire freshman year, right? Whether it's returning the ball like he can on punt and kick returns to just, you know, running end arounds, getting touches in the backfield, uh, running go routes and curl routes and doing everything that he, that he does for Purdue. So, you know, I'm very excited with with what this draft has has in store at at wide receiver because there's even some guys that are prototypical slot receivers like Amon Ross St. Brown, and it's it's going to be really nice for uh, whatever kind of receiver a team wants. Um, this is finally going to be the draft that it's not so many guys trying to fit one mold. There's a bunch of different molds for all of these players, and they can just be who they are rather than everyone you know, trying to fit that CD lamb, Jerry, Judy mold of, you know, extremely elusive, but can also get down the field a little bit. This just be who you are. And you're going to find a spot in this NFL draft because these receivers are straight up bonkers. Shane, how do they compare to the guys that we have seen recently? And then just, just go off like Kane did on any of your guys, your <laughs> thoughts on them overall. I might have taken like the top eight wide receivers, but I mean, if you want to argue about any of those picks, or if you want to, uh, if you want to fluff them, that's fine too. I um, mean, that I mean that that says more. If you're if you're both saying that they're good, I mean, I would give that credibility. No, I'm here to sweep up the scraps. It's right now. It's, uh, look, I, I I I agree with Kane in a lot of what he said. I think these players are interesting. You know, going back to the last conversation, uh, I think that second tier that Kane talked about being so big. Uh, had we seen a season, um, definitely from every conference, then I, I think it even widens or possibly have some of those second-tier guys move up, right? We saw that happen last season. Um, I, I think C.D. Lamb's an example of that. I know a lot of people were high on him, but to kind of put him in that Jerry Judy class and, and the top of the class, 
um, didn't happen really until last year. So, you know, I think there are some players that, that could do that. Part of the one that, that jumps out to me is Chris Alave from Ohio State as a player who was very productive last season, would have gotten another year with Justin Fields. You had over 100 receptions gone uh, from that offense. And so so he's a player who has good wheels. You know, he's got to run in the four fours, uh, has production, went to a big time school. And uh, yeah, he's going to be remembered for running the wrong route in the playoff game and, and causing the interception. Um, but I don't think the NFL cares uh, that they're going to, you know, they're going to reward him. I think he's a but player. We that, care, that- Shane. We care. <laughs> I mean, I care. I cry, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> so, so I think he's someone that could go above, you know, some of these players that um, that the community might see as a first tier. You know, as someone like a Rondale Moore who, uh, did, you know, was hurt almost all of last. Um, I, th- I think I think Alave can compete with with them. Uh, you know, we talked about Tylen Wallace before. Uh, I think he he's going to be expected to come out, and maybe he gets knocked down a little bit. He gets into that second tier when we were kind of hoping he'd be a first-tier guy and a full season back with production may have done that. Um, so, and then uh, Sage Girard from Wake Forest, the guy that's super productive. You know, he kind of made Jamie Newman, transferred to Georgia. I think Surratt's a, a good player. I'm not even as high on him as Kane or some other people are. But, uh, you know, he's someone that could be really good. So, now, I think when you look at the second or third round of the NFL draft, we're going to have a deep – wide receiver group again. Um, and just like we talked about, if some of these players don't play and knock, get knocked down a little bit, I think you can end up with some steals. Um, Seth Williams from Auburn's another guy I like. He's he's a guy that really that needs a season. Hopefully the SEC will play. Um, he, he's a kind of a bigger target that, that's competing with uh, an offensive scheme that doesn't match him very well. Uh, but uh, he, he's, he's a terror to cover. Um, and, and so I think there's a lot of names of players that uh, are good players and some of them will probably go back to school depending on what happens. You're right. I think we're going to see some of these guys decide to go back that are juniors or redshirt sophomores. Um, but that happens every year. Uh, but uh, it is, it is a very deeper wide, wide, wide receiver class. And I think, I think those, kind of picked 30 to uh, 70 are going to be really receiver strong. And now as a person that is really dives into Devi because of my dynasty teams, if I am hearing you both correctly, the second round picks that I usually trade away for wet socks are probably going to be more valuable. And I should stop doing that going into 2021 just because of, especially because of wide receiver, it seems like the second round is always littered with wide receivers and it sounds like I'm going to get good value and I should stop doing exactly what I'm doing. So here's, here's what I would tell you. And this is the same conversation I had with Scott Connor on the dynasty and chill pod is that I, I would start accruing seconds and thirds now. Um, so I would accrue those because as we kind of get closer to the season and into the season, uh, they're going to be really, really valuable to people. Um, so you're going to be able to sell those off for assets that you didn't think you'd be able to sell them for um, because people are going to keep saying that this class is super deep because it is. And we've been saying this um, since the middle of 2019, right? That, that this class was going to be deep regardless of who stayed in the class, especially at the, at the running back position. Like that was never going to change. And we knew that the wide receivers were going to be there. Um, but another thing that I would do is, if you've already accrued a lot of seconds and thirds is I'm going to want to um, combine those seconds and thirds to someone who has values them a little bit more and get back into the first round. Um, Because then I know 
how much my first round picks are going to be worth and they're just going to accrue because as we're in the draft, that back end of the first round is going to be just littered with talent. And if, and if your guy, you know, is going to be there in the middle of the second, well then trade back and get more assets than, than you sold with your seconds and thirds. If I'm just trading two seconds and a third to move up to the first round pick, and then I'm trading a back end of the first round pick for, you know, a second and a 2022 first. Well, then I just won that trade because I know that I'm just constantly accruing value and the value is what matters here. And you you agree, Shane, that this this class is deep, deep enough to the point that these are going to be more valuable than someone who is an eternal pessimist like myself values them. Uh, I think I think that is, and this is definitely something I go back and forth about um, because I could see a lot more players returning to school, and maybe the well be not being as deep as we anticipate right now. Um, so it's a possibility that it turns. I think I think what what Kane said is correct. You know, I think it's like that every year that you can get into that second and kind of get some guys um, because I think something that, uh, else that could happen is that some of these players that we're talking about that Twitter's really high on, the community's really high on, they might fall in the NFL draft because they haven't played in a year or Rondell Moore hasn't played in two years and, and where he's the best receiver and he might go in the third round of the NFL draft. And someone will still gonna take him at the 108, but now that guy, the, the, the Brandon Ayuk type that went in the first round of the NFL draft, then no one touches till two. I'll take that guy, right? You know, you can use draft capital to your advantage. Shout so, out Frank Darby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, th- I think those are some real possibilities, right? Of of draft capital playing to your advantage. You can play to that instead of uh, like the talking heads like us that like certain players. You know, I'll bash on myself a little bit. You know, you can kind of ignore us and go off of that. So I, I think that is a possibility. Um, I. I even think if you have a deep enough league, man, taking stabs in, in the last round of your rookie draft is uh, going to be important. Because I think there are, like we talked about before, there's going to be some guys that fall all through the cracks because there was no season that wouldn't have if they could have played. And if that guy goes in the sixth or seventh round of the NFL draft, then you can just just draft, just, just take a, a glutton of uh, these players that, that got drafted late but have some talent. Um, then I think there's a real strong possibility that more of them could work out this year than in the past. And it, Amon Ross St. Brown is one of those guys that just screams to me like that, right? Like he, I think he's going to fall in the draft being there. No pack 12 season, a guy that plays most of his snaps out of the slot. Um, and I think there's a chance that he's going to fall just based off of that. Um, we know, unless you're incredibly agile and incredibly fast, uh, you working out of the slot doesn't mean anything. Um, a la Tyler Johnson, like, right. A guy that's ultra productive out of the slot means absolutely nothing. If you don't have that speed to back it up. Um, so I think, I think that's one of the, uh, one of the guys that I think could really fall and just be one hell of a steal is Amon Ross St. Brown. Like if, if we had a season, I would think that he'd be a day two pick. I don't think Shane would argue with me about him being a day two pick if we had a season. But Shane, without a season, like, is there a realistic possibility he's a day three guy? Oh, I, I think there's, it's, I'd probably bet money that he will be a three guy versus a day two guy um, without, without a year. You know, with, with Michael Pitt and taking a lot of the stats and like Kane talked about the, the slot stuff, I'm right with you. And he's just not a fast guy. Sorry, guys. I, I, I've i heard the name from the Debbie drafts I've been in, but 
So I've been hearing about him for 108 years, but he, he's just not fast, and that's why you guys think he's going to fall? Oh, yeah, he's fast. He's fast enough. Um, but not to but, not like like rugs, like someone like that that's just going to explode or something like that. Yeah, so coming out of high school, he was a 46740. Uh, so okay. not not exactly what you want coming out of the slot. Um, cause we, we want guys that are, that are going to be sudden quick movers right over the middle, not a guy that's going to take a long time to develop those routes. Um, so yeah, I think that's going to hurt him unless somehow his 40 time gets down to, you know, low four fives. I think this is just a real possibility that he's going day three, but he can be extremely productive as a day three guy. And then we're going to go to the one position that I am just total and utter dog shit at. Uh, the worst thing, the my biggest shortcoming as a dynasty player is I can't scout quarterbacks. It's just something I cannot do. I have tried and failed utterly so many times. So I just tend to go for established guys. But the problem when I do that is they're much more expensive by that point. So, it you know, it, if there's a, a position that is outside of the wide receivers for this upcoming class, it, it's the quarterbacks at the top with Trevor Lawrence and Marshall Minnesota's Trey Lance mm-hmm. and and Justin Fields the the Ohio State University Buckeye you know to talk to are, are these guys it, like are are they real is this is this one of these situations where even a dope like me that if I take them I'm not going to I'm I'm going to see what everybody else is talking about and I'm going to be able to help myself and not go and trade for Kyler Murray or Josh Allen for more money than I could have had I drafted someone like that uh, Shane, take it away. I it, it, start with Fields first. Start with your boy. That's what I want to hear about. Sure. I look. I I think this is if you're not good at scouting quarterbacks, like this is as easy as it gets because you have two guys that have been uh, insane since high school, and Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and Trey Lance. Uh, let, 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 we'll all get there. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know, you have these two guys that have been insane since high school. That have come in. I know Justin Fields only had the one year of production at Ohio State because for some reason Georgia decided to play Jake Fromm over him, and that turned yeah, out to be a really yeah, stupid call. Yeah. Uh, so you know, so I, I think these players, these two are, are incredible, and we know what they are. We've seen them do it. They didn't come out of nowhere. They weren't three star prospects. They're two best prospects in their class, and have dominated at big schools and taken their teams to you know to to the college playoffs. So I think this is a nice year because you have that's built in. Trevor Lawrence is the best QB prospect since Andrew Luck. Justin Fields is is a, a dynamic, you know, big um Russell Wilson. And I think it's pretty I think they're two pretty safe prospects that are going to have NFL careers here. I think the the questions come past that and not not to put Trey Lance down, uh I, I don't think he comes out. Like I don't think he's declaring for this draft. If they're not playing, and Kane can argue that, but I don't think he declares um, when you, you've only had a, a freshman year. Um, and no matter what the hype is with us or um, with ESPN, I don't think NFL teams, when he puts in for that draft advisory grade, it's not going to be first round. Uh, it, he, he, could, he could be the, the greatest prospect ever uh, talent-wise. It wouldn't be first round with the one year of freshman production at FCS. They're not going to give it to him. And so just like we saw Travis Etienne go back because he got a day two grade and wanted to improve that when he may have gone day one anyway, uh, Trey Lance could be that kind of player. And so let's say if Trey Lance doesn't declare, 
then I think it's just a muck of players that needed that year. We needed to see Kyle Trask of Florida come out and have a really good year. Brock Purdy of Iowa State, you know, come out and have a really good year. Maybe if the SEC plays and the Big 12 plays, uh, some of these quarterbacks can do it. But um, I, I think those top two are rock solid. Um, and, and and personally, I don't know, Kane, what, what do you think? Do you think Trey Lance is still going to come out? Because I, I, I just don't think he can do it. Well, the scuttlebutt around town is is that his parents don't really want him to uh, to come out if he doesn't have a season this year, um, because his his parents are are also really big proponents of education and really want him to finish his four year degree. Um, so that's just the word the scuttlebutt in the uh, softball dugout here at Marshall, Minnesota. But um, you're not going to get that anywhere else. So, so I know you love that little tidbit, Jerry. I, um, I, scuttlebutt might be my favorite adjective of all time now. Just a little scuttlebutt. Um, but I think, I think to answer the first, the first question is I just want to make it really basic. And you, you talked about that you have a tough time really finding quarterbacks. Um, so the first thing I want to mention is don't try to expect that more than three quarterbacks are going to make an impact in each draft class. I think that's that's just the number one rule that I try to stick with. If I have three top quarterbacks, so like after Trey Lance in this draft, you know, if he were to have a season, like I'm out on the rest. Like we don't often see more than three quarterbacks have an impact in any single draft class, fantasy wise at least. So I, so I'm kind of, I'll just say that as just a precursor, um, right? But this this class pretty easy. You have two guys that that are absolutely incredible. Um, so I, I like both of them, and I think I think they both do things um, differently, but have some similar skill. Um, obviously, Trevor Lawrence, like Shane said, is the most pure prospect we've had in a really really long time, um, and and he's going to get knocked because people say that he he's going to look at his first route too much. Um, well, when you have the best arm talent in, in all of college football, you can do that. Um, that's not an issue. And and we've seen that he can throw to a second, third, fourth read. Like, that doesn't matter. Um, so he's fantastic. Justin Fields, also great. I think he has – I think he needs to work a little bit on his long ball. It just can just sail just a little bit on him. Um, but but he's a guy that, that reads defenses and goes through his reads incredibly quickly. Um, and I think part of that is is the offensive line that he has is one of the best in the country, uh, right at Ohio State. That he he can just sit back there and and just survey the field and, and figure out what's there. But beside those two guys and just not knowing where the FCS season is going to land with Trey Lance until we get more information there, because um, I know they technically have canceled their season, but we'll see right what happens. Um, I'm only going with those two guys and anything past. Either those two or Trey Lance, like I'm, I'm out. I'm, but, but they're I'm not about it. The those top two, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, they're real. Like you, you, this is not like a. They're just the two best in the class, and so we're overdoing it, sort of thing. Like you both think these are going to be dynasty relevant quarterbacks that help people win their fantasy leagues. So, so Trevor Lawrence will be a top, what top six dynasty quarterback by his third year in the NFL easily like and that's 
and I'm not I'm not talking about just like where we would draft him, but I'm just talking in point wise the amount of points that he scores. I believe he will be putting up that many points. Okay, um, that's what I just because you know sometimes we we fall in love with guys and we you know, it, and I just didn't want I want to make sure that this you know these guys are they're terrific fucking real is what I, is what I want to say and that's that's what I wanted to hear out of both of you and you both said the same exact word yeah about them. All right, guys, who Shane? Who is one guy that is just getting so much damn love that you just you don't get it. It's just it, there's one guy in this class that gets it gets. Oh, don't much. steal mine, Shane. Shane, do not steal mine. Uh, okay, I look. I'll, I'll let you have yours. I, I think I think I know who it is. Uh, <laughs> I'll, all right, I'll, I'll go with. Well, I'll go to the running back position. I'll, I'll, I'll go with Chuba Hubbard, the running back from Oklahoma State. Uh, and uh, look, I like him. Insanely productive. I mean, crushing defenses, 200-yard games. He is the offense. Um, but he has some of the worst vision I've seen on a running back with his production. Like It's like Trent Richardson-style vision. It, if it says anything. So we, we did – I mentioned the, the Patreon chat, and someone took Chuba Hubbard, and Kane said that it was the worst vision, and that's why he didn't love the pick. But anyway, sorry to interrupt. Continue, Shane. Uh, no, I mean, I mean, it, when when he's just, just runs where the hole should be, not where it is, right? So that there's a lot of times where he runs, and when you when you're you're an offensive guard, and and sometimes you're, you're going up against a big defensive tackle, it's going to move you to the right a little bit, and the running back has to adjust. Chuba Hubbard just goes, and he can run. He runs in that that guard's backside, and you know keeps on running. Sometimes it turns out to be a twenty yard gain, but in the NFL, you're going to get tackled. You're going to lose two yards. Um, so that's a fear for me. I'm not saying he's going to be terrible. I think vision is something that can be improved. I think it's something that, that Mike Gundy and, and the Oklahoma State staff doesn't really care about when the guy's running for 2,000 yards. Um, so uh, he, he could still be good, but I think people just putting him on Travis Etienne's level, I think, is 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 way too high. And to me, I think Etienne's in kind of a class by himself. And Kane, what's your take on Chuba? And then give me your guy, dude. Yeah, so I think Chuba Hubbard is is going to excel in the NFL in the right system. And I think he fits the best in a zone run scheme. Um, because if we look at what Chuba Hubbard does is he has absolutely terrific acceleration. When he puts his foot in the ground, he has the acceleration to go through it, right? And and that's what that's what we need in the zone run scheme. It's not so much vision all the time, like it is in the power run scheme where you're in the hole. You have to pick, right? If you want the ABC, right? If you're going left off the guard's ass, if you're, if you're going to go straight into him or if you're going to go to the right, like that's, that's the running back's choice. But in his own run scheme, it's kind of, you cut up field and you just see green and go. And I think that's where, that's where he excels the most um, in those aspects. But like Shane said, vision is like Trent Richardson, his second year in the NFL. Like there are just some times where like he's just going to run straight into that center's back. And you're like, well, why? Like, <laughs> why did you, you saw the hole. I know you saw the hole and you just chose not to hit it. Like that that's some of the issues that we're dealing with. And you're not going to see that as much in college because he's so fast. Like he's so fast that he can cover up a lot of those mistakes. But in the NFL, right. Of, Everybody's of fast. Yeah, a low 4-3 guy's not going to be able to get through the arms of Linval Joseph. Like, he's just not. Like, Linval Joseph is extremely strong, and he's just going to grab you with one arm and stop you. 
Like that's what's going to happen. And, and so that, that scares me about Chuba Hubbard and Shane's totally right on about, about the poor vision. And then your guy, uh, Jamie Newman, <laughs> um, Jamie Newman, quarterback at Georgia transferred from Wake Forest. I think, I think the main issue that we see with Jamie Newman is that um, first he's not as good as people think he is. And, and <laughs> so that's the first issue is talent. Um, the, the second issue nice. is, is I don't think that the, that the new scheme going to Georgia is going to be as productive for him as, as people think um, he wor- the system worked at Wake Forest is because he's an extremely athletic quarterback. So that, that really delayed zone read option crap, whatever they were running there was effective because he's extremely athletic. Um, but expecting him to all of a sudden turn into this pocket presence quarterback and be able to sling it all over the field when he has trouble throwing it outside the numbers and deep down the field without a guy like Sage Surratt, um, that's an issue for me. So I, I don't see the need to to have him as a top three, top four, top five quarterback in this draft when realistically, right, he's going to be a a third, fourth round pick and quarterbacks in that range don't matter. Like you, they don't become starters. It just doesn't happen. So, so why bank on that? Because the way where you're drafting right now in super flex drafts is you're drafting them at a ceiling and anytime ever in a dynasty league or in a Debbie league, if you're drafting someone at, at their ceiling, you're messing up. And listen, I only got to watch Jamie Newman play one game because he played Michigan State in the uh, whatever the hell bowl game we played. I don't even remember the one that's in New York pinstripe bowl. There we go. Some god awful bowl. Uh, yeah, I didn't really get it either. I don't know, because uh, I, I had heard his name and they said he transferred to Georgia. And all I thought was why I didn't, I didn't really see it. He looked like a poor man's Drew Stanton to me. But all right, guys, poor man's. Oof. Yeah. Well, sorry. Hey, Drew Stan's been in the league for like 144 years, and he's got one of the greatest gifs in the history of gifs. But you guys are Debbie guys. Talk, talk, talk about the younger classes. So there are people that are going to listen to this show that have never really dove into Debbie, whether it has scared the wits out of them and they're super intimidated by two degenerates that do 100 round leagues or for whatever reason. Maybe they're just curious to get into it. If you are going to talk about classes, guys that are in the classes that are not 2021, who are the guys that you think they should know about? Shane, you you are you are the seasoned vet. I will give you the first go at it. I, I mean, we could start we could start with quarterbacks because because I, I think I think for 2022, you know, there's two guys that really stood out as freshmen uh, in Sam Howe and and from. North Carolina and Keaton Slovis, the quarterback from USC um, that I think are once again, two legitimate quarterbacks um, that are going to make it to the NFL. You know, Sam, Howe, Mac Brown goes there, North Carolina, he almost beats Clemson. I mean, he's putting up numbers and his receivers is, he kind of made the top two receivers. They're, they're going to be draftable. Um, and North Carolina is not a team we think of producing NFL QB one, number one overall talent. You know, Mitch Trubisky didn't exactly hit the mark. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, you know, this is a different system, different scheme, and how's legit. And then, then Keenan Slovis from USC, uh, JT Daniels, who also transferred to Georgia, uh, was supposed to be the guy, five-star prospect. Slovis is three-star that went to USC. I mean, just one of the most accurate passers I've seen in years. 
just his ball placement as a freshman was phenomenal. Um, it, maybe the arm strength isn't superior, but uh, he, he has some zip and I think he can improve on it. So I think when you start at the top of those quarterbacks, those are kind of the top two. And people are excited about Spencer Rattler who's going to be the starter for Oklahoma this year, didn't play last year. Jalen Hurts was there, right? So what can he do? We've seen every Oklahoma quarterback, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts get drafted. So now you have the first recruit, not transfer, that was uh, was a high four, low five-star kid. Um, what's he got to do? So I think these quarterbacks are players that uh, hopefully have a season get to see. And even if not, Next year, uh, they're really going to get to show their stuff. So I'll, I'll kind of start there, and I'll let Kane uh, go go with the meat and potatoes. He, he's um, a meat and potatoes type of guy, too. Let's not let's not get it twisted. Meat and potato chips, right? Um, a- <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so one quarterback that I would just add is Jaden Daniels, because um, I think he's he's starting to slide up into that you know that quarterback three area, and I think I have more Spencer Rattler right now. I'm not just, I think Spencer Rattler has the pure arm talent, but I think, I think Jaden Daniels just has that pocket presence and that IQ, um, which I think is incredibly important that, that NFL teams are going to fall in love with. But, you know, if we want to roll forward, you know, talking about running backs, we have, you know, guys like Zach Charbonnet and Brees Hall and question marks after that. And, you know, so so one of the things you're going to run into is that the 2022 running back class is not super hot. Um, there's some God, guys going to piss so many people off. Yeah, and I think you know it's going to be an issue, and I think that's why the 21 draft class, the running backs might be overdrafted just a little bit, and knowing that some of these guys just aren't coming in as hot. And I know, I know, right the one guy that I haven't mentioned, Trey Sanders. And I think if Najee Harris wasn't there at Alabama this year, Trey Sanders was going to absolutely light it up. We have not seen a running back come in. That's just this athletic and in a good amount of time. I think he's, he was a five-star kid from IMG. He was the top running back recruit. So at IMG, he was even splitting carries in high school um, to keep him fresh. And dude was just clocking just ridiculous yards per carry averages just because he was more athletic than everyone else around him and was just able to outrun um, linebackers, even if they took correct pursuit angles. Um, so I think, I think he's a guy that, that we have to talk about. Brees Hall um, running back at Iowa state. Um, I think he's going to have an issue this year. If the big 12 is playing um, four out of his five linemen didn't return, you know, they they're gone. So he's returning one starter and they have rough wide receiver options at Iowa state and, and Brock Purdy is going to have to throw it to someone. And I think that person might be Charlie Kohler and which is their tight end. And I'm not sure how much work Brees Hall is going to get. Um, the one benefit for Brees Hall, right. Is, is that Iowa state's like probably the best defensive team in the big 12. Um, so at least there's that possibility, right? That they're going to be in more games. They're going to be able to run the ball a little more. Um, but but it's scary overall with, with a guy that wasn't extremely productive his freshman year. Sure, he had a lot of counting stats, but but those stats themselves weren't incredibly productive when he was on the field. Um, he did bust off some long runs, but overall it's not like we saw great carry after great carry after great carry with him in the Big 12 at Iowa State. So I think, I think that's an issue. We have Zach Charbonnet coming out of the University of Michigan. Go blue, Jerry. Go blue, go blue, go blue. Um, uh, so 
I, I think he's a guy that that is a bit more of a plotter than people like to like to realize. Um, right. The three of us here have, have watched a ton of Big Ten football. That's that's right. Our, our specialty. And um, whether Shane wants to refer to refer to Michigan as that team up north, um, TTUN or not, I'm, he's shaking his head just because he knows those Ohio State football fans. Um, but I, I think he's a, he's just a guy that takes what the offensive line gives him and you're not going to see a whole lot more than that. Uh, if, if the offensive line blocks five, he might get six. It, you know, if he's going to, he might fall forward for a yard, but he's, he's not going to give just, he's not going to get that much extra yardage. So I think, I think that, that hurts them overall. Um, so yeah, this 2022, um, running back class I think is is tough I'll let I'll let Shane kind of clean up those running backs if there's anyone else he wants to mention I I, th- I think the only other guy that I'm higher on that came to is, is Isaiah Spiller the running back from Texas A&M um, he kind of beat out Jay Sean Corbin there he transferred to Florida State who I like him as well if he could play um, I think Spiller had definitely some juice um, and a couple big games in the SEC but you know, he's, he's not spectacular. I don't watch him and say, ah, this is, this is, you know, this guy is, is going to be a top NFL running back. So I think it's really a wait and see approach with, with a lot of those running backs. I even think the receiver classes is not spectacular. There's some guys I like, um, but I, I think. So I, I Shane, think Shane, real quick, I'm a little hurt. Yeah. You didn't bring up Jerry and Ely. I totally thought you were going to, oh, you're going to take yeah. care of that one for me. No, sorry. Yeah. Well, the thing is that, there, there are these. There are also those kind of high recruits, right? And this is the problem when you kind of look forward: is you have players that maybe were five-star recruits that um, maybe played but didn't really wow. I think Jerry Ely is one of those players from Ole Miss, uh, running back who 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 he started, you know, but it wasn't great. They had they were switching out quarterbacks. They were kind of finding their groove. Um, or you have a, a five-star guy like John Emery for LSU who obviously didn't play. Clyde edwards is the guy. They still have two more guys. So he, he's going to be split in time if the SEC plays. And it's like, well, what do you do with these? Well, we don't we don't quite know yet, right? And, th- and that's always the question. Jerry Ely could come out next year and run for 1,700 yards. It, it'd become uh, a top 15 pick. Um, or, or Zach Charbonnet could come out and do that as well. You know, that could have happened. And I think I think the running back class we were just kind of unsure about um, – you know exactly where that will hit, and and like I said, I, I think the wide receiver class too is not spectacular um, or the same approach. I think there's a lot of guys kind of wait and see, and we might not get to see yet. Um, so you know, George Pickens out of Georgia is probably the top guy. He had a, a really good freshman season, but he, obviously they're getting a new quarterback in there. With Jamie Newman, JT Daniels, we could talk about before. Uh, I like Garrett Wilson from Ohio State, but he didn't do too much. He was he was kind of the fourth in the pecking order. And then uh, David Bell from Purdue, if you want uh, Big Ten with Rondell Moore going down, he had a lot of a play. But uh, none of those three guys do I feel like ah oh, this you know this is a Jamar Chase, this is a, a CD Lamb yet, and I, I think. We need to wait and see um, with that. Yeah. So the only the only wide receivers I would add, right? We just have two terrific guys at Oklahoma. Um, the one that I thought was going to be the closest, to, right? That true X wide receiver was was Jaden Hazelwood, um, and he ended up tearing his his ACL. So he's also losing a season. And so I think, like Shane said, these wide receivers, like yeah, we there's some good talents, but 
we need to see some production out of these guys. And, you know, can we even trust the production from David Bell being on a really bad team and them having to throw all the time um, with no Rondell Moore on the field? So if, if can we trust that? Can we even trust a CJ Johnson who's putting up just crazy stats um, in the group of five conference? You know, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered with these wide receivers and, and not having a season is going to be really tough for these 2022 guys because at least for these guys in the 2021 draft is we had two years of tape on these guys and got to see considerable improvement in their sophomore seasons, especially if they were coming out early. And now we have these guys that they're going to be playing as a freshman and, you know, they might've had someone in front of them. And then all of a sudden they're playing as a junior and it's like, all right, he's draft eligible now, but we have to go back to two years ago tape to try and see improvements. And I think that's going to be even more difficult, especially as we, as we talk about, you know, the work work ethic and how important that's going to be, even to the people that stay in college football um, to be in these later NFL draft classes. Well, gentlemen, thank you for the education as always. Let's, uh, let's, let's wrap this up. Let's get out of here. So listen, like I said, at the top of the show, you know, this is this is like the the graduate class. You know, you play you play fantasy football, you play redraft. It's like a it's like high school. And then you get into dynasty, and that's like your undergrad. And then you start getting into your deeper stuff, and that and that's you know that that's what this is. So this is a this is a master course. We're just we're getting you started. But if you want to, you know, if you're a Debbie player and you you understood everything that these guys said and every player more power to you. I am not one of those people. That's why I'm sitting here because I am of the population that just wants to improve my dynasty teams and maybe not totally fall on my face in the Devi leagues that I'm in. But if you want to, you know, really get into this, if you want to know who the hell players like David Bell and Chris Olave and Seth Williams and Trace Sanders and Brees Hall are go to the Devi marketplace, listen to Shane P. Hallam the Samuel L. Jackson of this podcast. Listen to Debbie Kane, the bearded God. Look at him. If, if you want to know, you know, who Amon Ra St. Brown is named after the Egyptian sun God for those history people out there, just for the record, you know, it go to those guys, listen to those guys. We're going to do this. We're going to try for once a month just to sort of give you the boost, just so you can hear some, some news about guys that you may need to hear about in the future and just keep you, you know, you got to sharpen your sword if you want to kill your enemies. And in Dynasty, you always have to have a sharp sword. And that's what we're going to try and do with this. But, you know, Shane, t- tell them what else you got going on. Then we'll try and get out of here. And I think we did OK. I think today was a good day. It was a good showing. I, I think it went well. Yeah. Listen to the Debbie Marketplace. Um, you know, I'm, I'm happy the click came brought me along and, um, you know, we, we've been killing it there. I, I read over fakepigskin.com. Uh, so you can see I have some dynasty articles, dynasty startup articles there. And then draftsite.com, I actually have a, a seven round 2021 mock. I have a seven round 2022 mock uh, and a one round 2023 mock draft. So um, if you if you do, we'll just want some names. That, that's one way to go. And then Kano, Kano, Kaney boy, Mr. Fussell. What up, what you got going? What you got going on, man? Yeah, so we're doing, you know, some really fun stuff over at the Devi Marketplace. And and we're really trying to just talk about values, right? The names are always going to be changing. But if we can try to lock down, you know, some of the values and what the value is for a player right now, I think that's going to help you a little bit more in your dynasty league um, than, than just us reading off stats at you. 
Like it's that's not going to get you there. Um, but at least if we try to give you some values, I think, and guys that we're buying and selling because we're trading all the time, even though, you know, Shane won't trade me Malcolm Epps and really tried to trade rate me um, earlier today. <laughs> I tried, I, I tried. Yeah, I wasn't having it. I knew exactly who you were going to come after and you're coming after Seth McGowan and I knew you were going to and I was like, nah, Seth's my boy. Um, but yeah, so, you know, talk with us over there. We're always wanting to bring up Devi trades and really analyze the trades in terms of, in terms of your roster. So do that. And, and yeah, that's what we're working with. I'm still writing some Debbie stuff over at DLF. So um, I think my, all my 2021 or my 2020 Cruton class uh, write-ups are up over at DLF. So, so you can always get some names of guys that I'm constantly looking at. And I appreciate it guys. Like I said, thank you for the education. I have, two pages of written notes because if there is one thing I do when I have intelligent people talking to on podcasts, I write the hell down everything that they say, because I it's, there's no reason to not do it, but I appreciate it. Uh, This was, this was fun. I don't think I messed it up too much. Randy may actually let me out of the house another time. At some point he's shaking his head. No behind the glass. Um, but this was fun. On behalf of Shane P. Hallam, on behalf of my man and arch nemesis Kane Fussell, and 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 Randy, the 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 man, the myth, the legend, who is still has to sit here and listen to us do all this because I don't know how to edit and I don't know how to do anything. Uh, I am Jerry Sinclair, and here at the Devi War Zone, we're just trying to make the world a better place for fantasy football. Peace out. Hey, fellow Warzone listeners. My name's Zach Camps. Uh, I'm not golfing or slinging my hands a monster. I'm usually thinking about Dynasty Fantasy Football. A couple months back, I joined the Patreon just to take my Dynasty passion to the next level. And I'll tell you what, well, let's just say there's writer downers for days in the Patreon. The member, you get access to the bonus pod where the guys take the filter off and talk about a wide variety of topics that maybe they won't cover on the normal show. You also get access to Memphis and Jerry for one-on-one advice, personal dynasty dilemmas. They'll tackle them for you, help you out with it. You just don't get that anywhere else. But I'd say my favorite part about the Depth of Patreon is the uh, the group chat. Tell you what, these guys are some excellent minds, tons of fun. The fire in there is amazing. Great platform to post trade questions, debate rookie values, share insight, interact with some cool people from across the globe. You know, Shout out to those guys in Australia. They're blowing my phone up all the time. You know, the best part is there's no Twitter trolls or Facebook trolls arguing about stuff they don't know anything about. So uh, if you want to enjoy your dynasty experience even more, win those championships, pause the podcast right now, sign up, and you can thank me later in the group chat.